When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. January, February, Izzo. It's March, Spartan Nation, and for those of us that bleed the green and white, that can only mean good things. I, for one, will never forget it again in time we trust welcome into episode 26 of m live spartan confidential podcast brandon champion kyle austin and matt wenzel with you on wednesday is 10th 2021 and fellas i am fired up several tickets to march madness have been punched we got conference tourneys going on all over the place including the big 10 tournament which gets underway with two games tonight uh kyle how we feeling man it's the best time of the year uh, feeling good. Uh, feeling a little bit more um, better about this drive to Indianapolis I'm going to make later today than the one I did last year. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> that we, we, we can talk about that. Uh, you know, kind of the everyone's doing the year anniversaries today. That was a wild time last year. But yeah. um, feeling good that uh, postseason is going to happen and Michigan State's going to be part of it. Yeah, it's hard to believe it was one year ago uh, today that everything sort of fell apart uh, right before our eyes, right before the noon tips of all the major conference tournaments. Uh, you feeling those March vibes, Matt? I, 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 what you just brought up is, is it seems like it was yesterday, you know, and it seems like it was 10 years old. But wasn't it the uh, uh, the Big East that was the lone one going out <laughs> alone and still playing? Was it that Wednesday or the Thursday? It was when it, it was, was today. Like, what the hell are they doing? Yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. It was okay. the first day that like all the quarterfinals of like all the major tournaments were about to kick off. It was about to be March Madness proper. And yeah. it just it <laughs> literally just collapsed before our eyes. I'll never forget the feeling I had that day when my favorite day and time of the year basically just fell apart right before my eyes. And yeah, the big East went ahead with the one half of basketball. And I remember watching that being like, this very well may be the last half of a sporting event that we see for a very long time. And of course the, the famous uh, gif or meme now of the sad St. John's mascot sitting alone in the Madison square garden <laughs> stands. Like that was like one of the first seminal images of March when, or of uh, the COVID when it came to, you know, sports at least through a sports lens but yeah a day that i'll never forget i'm sure you guys won't either yeah no. but to answer your question though i am looking forward to it i love the ncaa tournament uh, i used to skip school frequently to watch it and i would <laughs> even just write that down as like a reason you have to leave i'm just like watching the tournament <laughs> <laughs> i don't care so uh yeah thursday and friday of the well what used to be thursday and friday of the tournament um, those were always two of my favorite days on the sports calendar because you get basketball from noon to midnight. 
Mm-hmm. You get like, uh, you, it would either be convince your teacher, the cool teachers might throw it on the TV for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or and when you were in college, it was like you, all, you hoped that you were sitting behind someone who was streaming the game, you know, in the middle of the lecture. It was like all the, the like oh. I think March Madness even has like a boss button thing where like you can click it real quick and it'll quickly flash up like a spreadsheet or uh, like a Word document. <laughs> it's uh, fantastic all around. It's accepted. I think that in this day and age, uh, you know, we know things aren't going to get done on Thursday and Friday. So, you know, the NCAA did us a favor this year and just took out Thursday. So we only have the one day, right? Yeah, but it's going to go through to Monday. So you oh, got yeah. to figure out how to get off Monday now. Oh, uh, well, not too hard. Not too hard for those <laughs> of us who work from home now, you know. So, right. uh, but anyways, yeah, big show today. Coming up on today's episode, we will be previewing the 2021 Big Ten tournament from a Michigan State standpoint, of course and what it will mean for the Spartans' revived tourney hopes. Uh, The Big Ten Conference also released its postseason awards. We will briefly discuss that. We'll also check in with Mel Tucker and the football team, which is uh, inching closer to the spring season. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast uh, wherever you're listening. Uh, Check us out on Twitter. We're all on there. Uh, And check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. So Kyle, first I want to, before we jump ahead to the tournament, you know, it's been a while since we talked, you and Andrew did a nice job on the, the crossover episode previewing the Michigan games. Um, but, um, you know, things are a lot different since the last time we talked. The Spartans picked up a massive win over their rival in game two of the series, as you know, right now. You published a story looking back at this incredible 16-day run Michigan State has had to sort of get back in the uh, March Madness picture when you were looking back at, at sort of this run that the Spartans have been on, what is some of your takeaways from doing it? Uh, that it's like nothing we've seen before. And I, I actually feel comfortable saying it's probably not nothing we'll see again, just because you're not going to get a schedule like that. You're going to have the opportunity to do that again, because so much of it was, was COVID created. Um, just having what we ended up being uh, six games in 13 days to close the season. That's not going to happen. Uh, the Big Ten, I'm sure it'll be good again next year. I'm not sure we're ever going to see it this good at the top um, um, in the near future as far as three teams in the top five at the end of the year. I mean, that's just not something you see it, you know, from any conference um, in the sport. So um, really just a remarkable kind of confluence of circumstances between the, um, you know, the schedule coming together, the Big Ten being so strong, Michigan State happening, happening to have all those teams at the end of the year, all kind of bunched together. Um, so they kind of had this perfect opportunity. And uh, yeah, they, they figured it out and, and they took advantage. So it, it was and on Sunday after they finally finished it, it was interesting. Tom, as you pointed out, and I thought this was a good point, you know, Years down the line, you're going to look back in the season in the in the media guide or, or in the on the Wikipedia or wherever you look at it, and they're going to have a probably a little bit of worse record um, than normal. It's not going to look like anything special. Uh, they might not have any um, any banners hanging from this year, but um, it, that's going to disguise the fact that this team did something. I think that it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I think the last team to beat three top five teams in the reg- in a two week span of the regular season was like 1950 something um, for Duke. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's just, they don't, it's stuff that's unheard of and, and they're not going to, um, they're not going to really have any hardware to show for it or any banners, but um, it, it, it's really going to be something um, I, I think pretty, pretty historic and remarkable that they did. 
Yeah, I mean, three pods ago, we had him dead in the water. We're talking about transfers. We're talking right. about <laughs> next year. We're talking about, you know, what it, what it matters. And you said you've said it multiple times on this pod. Like you you try and resist burying this team because of Tom Izzo's track record, because of the talent on the roster. But it got to the point after that blowout loss to Iowa, where it 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 just looked terrible. They were one game over five hundred. You looked at that schedule and you're like, how are they going to pull this out? And remarkably, they did, man. Like, credit Aaron Henry. Uh, he, he's dragged this team. Credit Josh Langford and his leadership. Mm-hmm. And credit Tom Izzo, who s- sort of, you know, we've been pretty hard on this year, I'd say, especially from a fan base standpoint. We've been very critical of Tom Izzo and the staff and their rotations. And I still am not going to let him off the hook for that because it took him way no, too long to just play his best eight players. And some of it was for like, some of it, like Foster getting hurt and, and Kithier just being ineffective, uh, it basically forced his hand. But I guess we got to this point, and uh, it, you have to credit Tom for at least uh, having a steady hand and, and leading the team through what has been an incredibly hard season. I, yeah, I agree with both of those things. Like it, it did, they didn't have – it's a remarkable turnaround because of how bad it got. And, and you, we can still talk about that. I don't think it should have gotten quite that bad um, with a team with that much talent. And some, a lot of individual guys, just not figuring it out. Coaches don't make shots. So it's not always all on the coaches, but I do think really the only major crit, main criticism I have of visual and the coaching staff is you're right. I mean, not just, it was pretty clear through much of the season who their best guys were and, and seeing those guys not play the biggest role, seeing some guys, playing a few more minutes than, than maybe you thought they should um, through January and early February. I thought that was a pretty legitimate criticism and not a coincidence that really when they picked their dudes and just went with them, that's when things turned around. Um, and, and Izzo and, you know, would tell you that it, it's not that simple. And they had, you know, Langford had COVID. He couldn't play 32 minutes for a while and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, credit to them for, for, for finding it. Um, and um, credit to Aaron Henry, like, like that guy, um, I've been very impressed with him. I mean, this is – when he first got here, this is the player they talked about him being. Um, and it, it took a really long time for him to get there. And he's been good at times. It's not like he's been a total mess. But um, I, I've always thought that he could be what he's been the last two weeks. Um, and a lot of people have, have thought that. And, and to see him finally become that, I think, is, is really rewarding for a lot of people. Oh, it's fantastic to see. So we look ahead now to a situation where before the Michigan game on Sunday, many felt that Michigan State, uh, it was a little more unclear, their tourney standing. They were in, uh, you know, Lenardi, for example, they were in his last four in. Now he has them in their last four, in his last four buys column. Uh, You you beat Maryland and you're probably uh, looking at just being safely in the, in the buys where you don't have to play in the first four. Mm -hmm. You lose to Maryland. I don't know if they're going to get punished too much losing to a fellow turning team, um, especially with those wins. But it's uh, it could maybe they slip back into the first four. I mean, this is the tournament game. They just played Maryland a couple weeks ago. Um, ESPN says eleven thirty a.m. on BTN. Is that just BTN trying to get you to watch their pregame show, or is it actually tipping at eleven? No, it's an eleven thirty a.m. tip okay. off. They, they, the schedule a little weird, wacky this year because of COVID. So yeah, eleven thirty a.m. Set your time. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Michigan State-Maryland. It's a game that Michigan State can certainly win. Um, I think the pressure's off 
in terms of being in the tournament. I mean, Tom Izzo openly saying that the team's going to stay in Indianapolis. Uh, pretty much, it seems to suggest that he's pretty confident they're going to be in the tournament. Uh, I think they're in in over 90% of uh, brackets on bracket matrix. So seems like a pretty safe bet that they're going to be in the tournament. So this Maryland game doesn't have uh, quite as much pressure on it, but it is the nine seed versus the eight seed. Could go either way. Winner plays Michigan. We saw Michigan State play Maryland a couple weeks ago. Uh, didn't go well. Maryland jumped out to a, a big early lead. They shot 50% from three. Michigan State's offense looked disjointed pretty much the whole game. Of course, it was the third game in, uh, in the week where they also played Illinois and Ohio State and picked up big wins. But what are you expecting from Michigan State-Maryland? You know, better from Michigan State, I, I did think of that whole stretch. That was the game where more than any other, um, they looked gassed and like the, the schedule, how condensed it was. I thought that affected them more. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look, they went down 11 nothing in the first five minutes. For the next 30 or so, they pretty much played right with them. Um, they played 30 minutes of pretty even basketball. Um, and then it kind of got out of hand a little bit in the last, uh, last five with – Izzo uh, maybe suggesting Maryland was trying to run up its net score a little bit there, which was fun. But, um, I mean, they, they played, you know, 30, 35 minutes of basketball right with them. And, and they just had a bad start, which I think had to do with the fact that they had just beat two top five teams. So, um, I think they can play. Uh, I, I, Maryland's defense really, though, gave them trouble. I mean, really, they forced them. That was the game where they shot all the three-pointers. Mm-hmm. So, Maryland, to me, clearly came in and said, we're going to make this team beat us from three-point range. And that's, to me, a pretty good strategy against Michigan State right now because I don't think they really have the firepower out there. So can can they figure out a way to get Aaron Henry into the paint a little bit more? Can they figure out how to get Rocket Watts into the paint and, and just get him to play more like he did on Sunday overall? Um, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I think it'll be closer than it was the first time because I think, I think the, the circumstances of that game had a lot to do with how it played out. Yeah, I mean, Maryland hadn't played in a week when they met up right. the first time. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's traveling uh, to the East, East, I mean, East Coast-ish. Like we said, they had played two big games. They fell in the big hole. I mean, Rocky Watts in particular, five points in that game, four fouls in 20 minutes. You would mm-hmm. expect, uh, you would expect um, a, a better rested, more prepared, more fired up Michigan State team because I agree, they just looked lethargic. They looked like they couldn't match Maryland's energy in that although, game. I, although I do wonder, like, the last two weeks, it's all been about get to the tournament, get to the tournament. Like, what happens after you get to the tournament? Um, and you got this one in-between game between this, this push to get to the tournament and the actual tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, guess, I guess I wonder about the motivation a little bit. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't remember a lot of times recently that Michigan State teams have come out and just seemed unmotivated. So they'll, they'll probably be okay, but it's, um, it, it's a weird interim because this team has not really had to make a big tournament push in a long time. And it, if there was a place to have a letdown, I guess is what I'm saying, is this would be a logical place for it to happen. Right. I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, Michigan State fans suggesting that if Michigan State went on an extended run in this tournament, then they could end up on the 8-9 line which would be, of course, mean playing a one seed in the second round. Right. It'd, you it'd know, be worse. Yeah. You'd rather be a 10 seed. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to ever suggest – Tom Izzo's never going to go out and lose a game on purpose, let's be real. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they did happen to lose this game, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because if you do win, you're getting another shot at a motivated Michigan team, which would be – 
sort of fun for fans, but if you go and just get blown out for Michigan, then you got that, you know, you don't have the season split with your rival and Michigan right. can, you know, boast and boast that they kicked your butt when it mattered. And I guess I'm just saying that if they lose this game to Maryland, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because they're probably safely in the tournament anyways. Probably, but talking to Izzo yesterday, he, he does not feel safely in the tournament. And, and coaches rarely come out, you know, and say, oh, we're in. This, this one put us in. But I get the sense that he's got this kind of lingering voice in the back of his head that, you know, we need one more to really feel safe. Yeah, um, to feel so I think, fully I think safe. Gonna, yeah. I think he's going to coach that way. I, I would be shocked if they got left out, even if they, they lost. But I, I, I'm sure we can think of stranger things that have happened in the course of this tournament. So I'm, I, I think they probably still are on the we need one more mindset, too. Although it's it's nothing like like if they were cut like I was fully expecting us to be talking about this game is like a do or die complete mm-hmm. do or die game and it, and it's certainly not that anymore. Matt, did you have any thoughts on uh, the tournament or Michigan State standing or this turnaround? Yeah, Matt's been in the last two games. He got into heat. And I have. Um, yeah, the uh, the the hoops without any fans for the most part is just as weird as I as I thought it was. It's different than football though, um, but. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. The takeaways were, you know, the Indiana game was just straight ugly. I think everybody <laughs> recognized that was just an ugly game. They managed to pull it out. The Michigan game was more, you know, I think that was more of what re- reasons why people were, were were higher on this team coming into this season. Because, you, which, you know, I'm just stating what everybody saw with their own eyes. I mean, what you got from Rocket Watts. Um, and even with Hauser coming off the bench, you know, you saw his aggressiveness when he, mm-hmm. that one drive, he took it to the lane, basically like a, a running back. He tucked the ball under his arm and went right at, uh, maybe livers or whoever he, it was. He and, drove without, without turning it over. It yeah. was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then, you know, you get what you, what you expect from Henry at this point of the year and, you know, Langford hits a big shot. So no, I was, you know, impressed with you and you lose by 19 or whatever it was. And you, and you turn around a couple days later, three days later, whatever it was. And, and get a win that you need, and yeah, uh, you know, impressive finish. Obviously, for the way where they were at three weeks ago, or, or wherever that was. I I guess that kind of reminds me of one thing I want to point out too is that while they've had these very good games lately, and that's a good sign, they're still coming out and playing playing stinkers. You know, every every <laughs> every few, every few games. You it ain't know, pretty. It ain't and, pretty. And, and it's not. And 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 the, well, the tournament like. You're dead if you do that. You know, you, you play the way they did against Michigan the first one. You play the way you did against Indiana or at Maryland. That was three in a row where, like, they're going to lose to any legitimate tournament team playing like that. Um, so when people are talking about – like, it's great that they got in, like, fantastic accomplishment. When people are talking about a run in the tournament, that's where I kind of give a little pause and say, well, I, I haven't seen it night in and night out really enough on this team to think that they're going to no. run. I've been, I've been saying, I mean, define run by Michigan State standards. That, to me, that's the final four. Right. I think this team has a sweet 16 ceiling. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, yeah, and I felt that way for a long time, although I felt the same way about, about uh, the team last year early in the season, and then they were <laughs> probably one of the betting favorites to win it if we would have got a bracket. So, But, yeah, we don't see – this team doesn't have the firepower. They don't have the fluidity to, to really make a deep run. But you know what? We've been saying for a while, at least from a fan standpoint, just keep the streak alive. 
and and it appears that's what they're going to do. So uh, I'm happy. March, I mean, I'm pumped for March. You know, we, we had the thing last year. It got canceled, and then for a lot of this season, it looked like Michigan State wasn't going to be a part of March Madness, and we were going to have to go two whole years without having a team in March Madness. We're so spoiled in East Lansing <laughs> about teams that are, you know, making the tournament every year. But it looks like they're going to at least be a part of March. And for me, uh, that just makes it even more exciting because this really is my favorite time of year. Uh, like I said, we're not going to go through the whole bracket here, but Kyle, give me a pick for who's going to win the tournament, the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Illinois, I've, I've heard enough complaining about them, about the stupid Big Ten regular season <laughs> yeah. title. They need to just go win like the other title. Um, so maybe that will shut them up about the stupid Big Ten uh, title. But I, I do think that they're playing the Of all those good like top-of-the-line teams, you know, Michigan stumbled a little bit at the end. Ohio State certainly stumbled. They've lost four straight going into this. Um, so I think Illinois is playing the best. Um, you know, they they play well without Io, and then they get him back. And, and I think they, I think that's going to help them actually him being out a little bit. So thank looking you. Like looking like Batman out there. Yeah, looking like Batman. So they can all thank Madi now after um, <laughs> after yeah. all that. But but no, they're, they're playing very well, and I think they're going to be very motivated after all these Big Ten regular season stuff. So I like I like Illinois. I saw a report that said uh, um, that I would assume has been wearing his mask just all the time, like eating, <laughs> and just just to get used to it. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Did you see uh, Brendan Quinn's joke about uh, Illinois? If, <laughs> if, if Gonzaga is not careful, they're going to win the West Coast. They're going to claim the West Coast Conference too. So yeah. I got to kick yeah. out of that. <laughs> Who are you picking? Of, that's an easy way to piss a lot of people off really fast. But I thought it was pretty funny <laughs> myself. No, I uh, I'm going to go with Illinois too. Um, actually, when uh, Josh Whitman um, published that letter yesterday. I sent it to Kyle. <laughs> I think it was right during the Michigan State thing. I just, you know, I get it. You know, I understand why they're why they're upset, but this constant complaining just doesn't look. It's not a good look. You look like sore losers when you're one of the top five teams in the country playing great, and it just it's cheap. You know, yeah, you have a you have a beef, but everybody agreed to the same rule like the the winning percentage takes the title your own ad agreed to it mm-hmm. i think there was a column from the, the tribune today so they did it twice so i don't you can't just rewrite the rules at the end of the season to benefit yourself i mean you illinois can't. is a you know, illinois is a great we did team. it in football season yeah well, <laughs> illinois is a very good yeah that is a good point but uh, i think everybody knew yeah, what, that, what ohio state was i mean you I, can yeah illinois smoked michigan without its best player but you know you, that's a one game snapshot you got to take the whole season into, into uh context I, I saw somebody joke that Illinois called Kevin Warren and said, Hey, can you, you change up the rules a little bit to give us a big 10 title? And he said, you think you're Ohio state? Get out of here. Exactly. Yeah. I've, got, I've got several Illinois fans that follow me on Twitter. I interact with, and, and they're more of the level headed ones who, you know, are, are pe- trying to tell these crazy Illinois fans who haven't had success in two decades to, you know, just chill and cool it. And we have bigger things to win in the Big Ten regular season tournament. There's more opportunities ahead. If we're really that good of a team, you'll get it done in the Big Ten tournament and you'll make a run in March. Madness. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I'm going to pick Michigan. I think the Wolverines are motivated. There's people that are doubting them for the first time all season, really. Um, you know, Eli Brooks is health. I think that is a big uh, concern because he's a senior guy who can defend, he can distribute, he can ball handle. Uh, I think, you know, we didn't, we didn't really talk about it for the game, but when he went out, that was a big loss for Michigan against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they do have other veteran guards, he's a guy who's been in the program, gets, gets the ball in the right spot, can shoot it a little bit. So 
if he's out for any extended time, it, it could be an issue, but I, maybe a little more Zeb Jackson or uh, Terrence Williams will get more opportunities. They're obviously heralded young guys. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they can step up and fill in for Michigan. And I just think Michigan's motivated because really people are doubting them for the first time uh, all season. So, and we've seen them uh, make runs in the big 10 tournament before when they aren't very good, or at least not a favorite. So um, it's going to be interesting in Indianapolis should be a fantastic tournament. Uh, a lot of good teams there. Two games tonight, right? We got Nor- Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State, Minnesota. Did I get that mixed up? I think I got that mixed up. But uh, yeah, the bottom field. Those four teams. Yeah, those four teams are playing tonight, and, yeah. and they will all be have lost by tomorrow. So. And no one's picking them, right? Yeah, no, one, <laughs> no one's picking them to win the tournament. But uh, it's gonna be a fun week. I mean, conference tournament. I've never been to the Big Ten tournament. What's it like when you're at that? All the different uh, It it is super fun. I mean, it is like you know. The NCAA tournament is so much more spread out. It's like, you know, you play every other day and then you take five days off. I mean, it, it is it, – everything is so packed together. It is like boom, 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 game after game after game, day after day after day. And, um, like, it's a ton of fun. And and um, so many – like, obviously, there's not going to be very many fans um, tomorrow. Uh, but when it's, like, normal and there's fans and it's in Chicago or Indianapolis, there's so many fans that are driving distance from there that you have all the fan bases represented. And um, it, it's a lot of fun. I would recommend it to you or anybody else to do at some point to, to, to get a year when your team's good um, and, and, and make a trip there because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been on my bucket list forever. It's one of the – I mean, I've been to the Rose Bowl, been to five other Michigan State Bowl games, been to – went to the North Carolina-Michigan State game when they played at Ford Field in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I mean, I've been to a lot of big state games, but I've never been to the Big Ten tournament. So it's always been on my list of things to do. And I, well, I always hear that it's fun, you know, and especially when it's in Indy, all the, the bars and everything right around there and just interacting with friends and – or not friends, but frenemies of uh, fellow – of other fan bases. Uh, <laughs> it seems like it would be a hell of a time. So I'd always want to – that's definitely on the list. Five bowl games? Tell me the Red Box Bowl was one of those five. No, sorry. Didn't make the Red Box Bowl. It's, uh, <laughs> You're two, the only one on the podcast yeah. looking enough. Yeah, two Capital yeah. One Bowls, uh, an Outback Bowl, an Alamo Bowl, uh, the B-Dubs Bowl, which was dreadful, almost as bad as the Red Box Bowl. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the Rose Bowl, obviously, biggest highlight. Uh, once, once I went to the Rose Bowl, I pretty much was like, yeah, I don't think I can go to any more games because they're never topping top that. Top <laughs> yeah, that would be the best. Although the, um, uh, the Holiday Bowl was, um, and the that was my Bowl. first – the Holiday Bowl is my first bowl experience, and I highly doubt it will ever get any better than that because we, we, we like span all of them. Because you went to a bunch of the earlier ones, and then I went to the two Cotton Bowls when I was mm-hmm. I helped out more in football then, and then Matt took over, and he's done all the ones since then. So well, we span. I will the, vouch for the company. We span the Mark D'Antonio uh, gamut of bowl uh, we games. Do, there, we do. Cotton, <laughs> Cotton Bowl is legit, though. That's that's a fun one uh, if they ever go back there. Yeah, San Diego in late December uh, or early January. <laughs> uh, you cannot beat that. We you didn't enjoy New York in late December? No, New York's – I mean, I like New York. New York's fun. But San Diego in December is San Diego in December. And a little, little insight, pretty much every beat writer is rooting for their team to get into the <laughs> holiday bowl when it exists because 
you know, it's just fabulous. I'm pretty sure San Diego, it's 75 and sunny every single day. So it was 75 and sunny every <laughs> single day I was there. And meanwhile, I'm back in Michigan. It was like we were going through like a terrible cold snap where it was like negative 20. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm yeah. yeah, we all are. Little tangent there. And the other thing I want to touch on here uh is the postseason awards. I'm not gonna go through and read them all. You can look up on the internet, but Aaron Henry gets third team all Big Ten on both sides, uh, the, the media and the coaches. I went on a little Twitter rant yesterday. I felt Aaron Henry is definitely worthy of second team honors, especially because he drugged this team to the tournament. He's playing incredible defense. He's filling it up, getting to the basket basically at will. Um, he's just elevated his game to a level where Michigan State wouldn't be in the tournament if they weren't uh, – if he wasn't playing at that level. So I felt he should have been second team over um, maybe one of the Michigan guys or Wieskamp. camp. Yeah. I was just looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? I, I voted up second team. I had a vote um, on the media poll, obviously. Um, I had him over Marcus Carr, um, which, which some people are probably going to howl at, but I, I'm a big guy in team performance in these things. Um, so I, I just have a hard time. I, I Marcus Carr is a good player. There's nothing against him personally, but I have a hard time against the team that finished 13th and tanked the way it did um, being on that team. So I, I had him over them. Um, I, yeah. I mean, the coaches had, I think livers and Wagner on their second team. I would put them over one of them, probably livers. Um, uh, I, I'm not quite as incensed about it as you, because he was probably my fourth or fifth guy in that team, but he, I, I did think he deserved a spot and I voted him there. He also got all defensive team, which you guys do not vote right. on. Uh, that's the coach's thing. I mean, that was a shoe in. I saw Michigan fans were really upset that Franz Wagner didn't even make the all defensive team. But I was pretty surprised by that as well. Uh, curious. I mean, is that like because the coaches know that he's they're probably game planning away from him. I mean, why? That's why they don't let us vote. <laughs> they don't let us vote for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. That that was bizarre. But you know, Aaron Henry obviously a very very talented defensive player. Um, so he did get honors there. But w- what was the stat you had about Michigan State getting at least a second team player? They were on some crazy streak since '97. Um, with '97 was the last time they did not have one. So it's basically the NCAA tournament streak. Um, like every year they've been to the NCAA tournament, they've done so with a first or second team Big Ten players. So this will be the first year under Tom Izzo that they'll go to the NCAA tournament without a first or second team player, which is like a lot of, I, like I tweeted that and like half the people were like mad um, that Aaron Henry didn't get second team. And half the people were like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize they've gone two decades with a first or second team. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's remarkable. Those are the 10 best players in the conference and they have at least one of the 10 best players and most years it's a first teamer and a second teamer. You got two or three of the 10 best, but to go 20 years with having at least one of the 10 best players in the conference is, is pretty remarkable and speaks to the, the consistency and the, and the level of talent they've had in that program. For sure. And I saw, you know, fans grasping it at strings or looking for omens where like Travis Trice was a third teamer the year that team unexpectedly went to the final four and lost to Duke. And uh, I also saw uh, one of the people I follow uh, pointing out that Appalachian State, the last two times that they've made the NCAA tournament was 1979 and 2000. And they made a run in the Sunbelt Conference to win their <laughs> conference this year. Uh, so those, those Spartan fans are sharp, man. They're, they're looking for anything that can uh, give them hope that this team can make an extended run. I'm, I'm all for it. Give me all the superstition. I'm all about it. <laughs> I, I, I pride myself on looking up some pretty random stats that that 
I would not have thought to look up Appalachian State uh, um, tournament history. That's that's a good one. Yeah, he he's all over it. I mean, we got a lot of we got smart fans. They're sharp, but uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, to football. I mean, obviously March Madness is going to dominate uh, the, the headlines. It's going to dominate our coverage here in the next few weeks. Um, so we're really excited about that. But we want to check in with football real quick. We like to be comprehensive here, even though it is deep into the off season. Matt Wenzel is all over it. He's got his handy cheat sheets of who's coming in, who's coming out. No one knows more about off-season MSU football than Matt Wenzel. So what's been going on with Mel Tucker and the boys? Well, I'm going to start with, a, with the weird stats since we just left basketball on that. So Michigan State gave up 20 rushing touchdowns in seven games in 2020. They gave up 19 in 26 games over the previous two seasons combined. So Wow throw that out there but anyways so back to uh, what's going on so they started their uh uh eight week strength and conditioning program on january 25th uh we had head strength uh, and conditioning coach jason novak on a zoom call last week for about a half an hour and he just gave an update and and you know he you know he kind of went over everything because he's been on the job for a year um but the gist of it as far as where they're at right now is he kind of said they felt like they're starting over from where they would have been at this point, you know, in January last year or February last year, um, just because of, they didn't have a, you know, they were basically winding up a strength program under Ken Manny when, when everything took place and the new staff came in and then everything got shut down. But, uh, you know, the first four weeks so far this, this year, we're uh, just working with the strength staff and the second four weeks of the program are bringing in the actual football coaches. So they're doing some drills um, doing some on-field stuff, um, position work, stuff like that. So, you know, nothing, nothing huge. You can't use a football with, you know, uncountable hours. Um, but I think you go back to the, the line Mel Tucker gave in December when he said he wanted this to be the most relentless, rigorous, taxing out of season strength. You know, he, he put a the bunch of stuff train. on them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Novak said basically the, the, the sentiment is there, you know, that's just kind of the way Mel works, but they aren't, they're basically trying to do whatever, whatever's best for the guys to get them in shape, you know, nothing, not trying to kill them in the off season or anything like that. So um, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much will lead them into spring practice, which starts March 23rd. And then Michigan state's pro day is March 24th. And um, you know, another, another smaller draft class this year, there's three guys, uh, Shakur Brown left early, Naquan Jones and Sim, Antoine Simmons. Uh, Shakur and Naquan both got combine invites, even though there is no combine this year. So it's mostly a formality. Although I think they're doing the, uh, the medical stuff can be done in Indy. That's kind of like a big complication this year with the whole draft process because no combine, you don't have, you know, you're, you're putting everything on these pro days and, and the times aren't going to be as reliable maybe in the medical stuff and all that is a, is a question mark, but, um, Long story short, uh, expect Michigan State's draft streak uh, is at 79 straight years, which is the third longest in college football, and it should extend to 80 this year. Uh, Shakur Brown is their, is their top guy. Um, we had uh, calls with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah uh, last couple weeks. Uh, Jeremiah was yesterday, and, and they were pretty similar in their evaluation. Kuyper thinks Shakur is a fourth or fifth round guy. But Jeremiah said yesterday, fourth round guy, he's a nickel that's basically where Josiah Scott was projected last year. And he went in the fourth round. Um, Naquan third round or third day guy. Kuiper said, Jeremiah said he's about a fifth round guy for him. He said he likes his, his quick feet, but thought he may have been playing with a little too much weight in uh, this year. 
And then Antoine Simmons, um, Jeremiah hadn't done the evaluation on him yet. You still had to get to him. But uh, Kuiper, Kuiper raved about him more than – because I asked about all three guys. He talked more about Simmons than he did the other two guys. Um, but basically, you know, I think the, knock, the problem for Antoine is, he's, you know, he's listed at six foot. So, you know, that's pretty small for a linebacker. So I think that's the big knock on him. I don't think you can knock the way he played. He was their, he was their best player, best defensive player, and arguably their best player overall in 2020. And um, – just for him, it'll be how you test and if you get somebody to like you. But Kuiper thought he was a seventh-round guy or a late-round guy or a priority free agent. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where we stand. And, and uh, uh, Darian Harris last week announced that Mel Tucker is bringing back the guys from last year's draft class that didn't get a pro day to get a shot this year. So that's kind of a, a neat move by him yeah. because some of those guys, you know, Josh Butler's, the, the Matt Seibert's, Tyreek Thompson's, they didn't, you know, when you got no combine and you got no pro day, you know, you, you don't really have too much of a chance to to make it get a shot in the NFL. Yeah, that's cool. I like that Mel did that. Uh, you know, it's you know he didn't recruit those guys. He doesn't really owe them anything, honestly, other than they they were on his roster last year. So I like that he's uh, opening the door for that and trying to give them an opportunity. Uh, um, Antoine seems like he's going to be one of those free agent guys that gets picked up by a team and just maybe slowly works his way into the rotation. Uh, yeah, that was, that was kind what of what Kuiper, Kuiper yeah. said. He said he thought he was going to find a way to force his way onto a team just because, I mean, he clearly likes him, uh, likes the way he plays. Um, and there's, you know, there's not <laughs> – you can knock Antoine for not being the longest, you know, 6'4 linebacker, but um, I think anybody that watches him uh, appreciates the way he plays the game and cool. is a leader. And is there a spring game this year? Uh, to be determined. Uh, the last time Mel had mentioned it was, you know, the, their hope is to – have as, as mo- much of a normal spring as possible, which means getting in all 15 spring practices. And that would conclude with the spring game as usual, but um, that is just a hopeful aspect right now. It's not um, set in stone. So if, if there is to be a spring game, if they a- actually pull that off, <laughs> you know, even if it is, even if there aren't fans, even if there's limited fans, it would, it would probably be, Oh geez, late April. I'm trying to remember the schedule from last year because last year they were scheduled to start spring practice a mm-hmm. week earlier than this year, and I can't remember. I think the spring game was originally for like April seventeenth or something last year. So you'd, you'd be looking at late April if that does happen. Cool, my guess. Well, <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on it. Spring is definitely in the air. Uh, it is the month of Izzo. It is time. March Madness right around the corner. The Big Ten tournament getting underway tonight Michigan State's first game uh, against Maryland at 11:30 on Thursday the winner gets top seeded Michigan uh, gonna be fascinating to watch this Michigan State team if they can somehow find a way to win some games in March maybe make a run here maybe upset someone uh, it's certainly a long far cry away from where we thought they were gonna be uh, just a month ago so um, we will be following it all please again like rate and review the podcast if you can tell a fellow Spartan about it Check out uh, all our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. Um, And for Matt Wenzel, Kyle Austin, I'm Brandon Champion. Enjoy the madness. We'll see you next time. And go green.